Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. In a moment I'm going to share some wisdom and a charge that I and my fellow rabbinical students got from our dear teacher, Rabbi Bill Lebo, uh, as we were in school. It's wisdom that I agree with and I disagree with. But before I go there, I want to start in an unusual place for a Shabbat morning sermon from the sanctuary, and that is in the bathroom. (laughs) So imagine the service is over, and you're filing out, and you go to the restroom, and you see someone that you haven't yet greeted so far today. Believe it or not, according to halakha, of the many things that you can and should say to that person in the bathroom, two words that you ought not say in the bathroom are Shabbat Shalom. Believe it or not, you're not supposed to say Shabbat Shalom in the bathroom. Anybody know why? I guess why. Why could you not say Shabbat Shalom in the bathroom? Sandra? So one possibility um, that you, you're offering, you're giving a bracha and you don't, you don't make a bracha in, in the bathroom. But why don't you make a bracha in the bathroom? Demons. Demons. That's always a good answer for anything in the Jewish community. Joey? So there's some question of, is, is, is even the word Shabbat Shalom too sacred to be brought in the bathroom? But Shabbat Shalom seems pretty... Like, it's about something which is sacred, but the words seem to be a pretty vernacular idiom and phrase. We're not there yet. Anyone guess? You're speaking it, but you speak lots of things in the bathroom. Religious intent? Yes. Oh, beautiful, right? So according to the... I'll repeat it. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. I'll repeat it. I'm not going to leave you hanging. According to the Zohar, the great important Jewish mystical text, one of the names of God, in addition to all the names that we use in our davening, is Shalom. Shalom is a name of God. You you could say good Shabbos, yes. So, so since Shalom is the name of God, and we're not supposed to invoke God's name in the bathroom, if you're one of those who says a blessing after using the restroom, you say it on the outside. According to some interpretations of Jewish law, you're not supposed to give that salutation in the bathroom because you don't want to invoke Shalom. And you, it's almost you, you can't say Shalom without invoking God, even though all of you have been your entire life because you didn't realize that Shalom was the name of God, right? It raises up the, um, the import and the sanctity of that word. Okay, hold that in your minds for a little bit. Back in rabbinical school, Rabbi Bill Lebo, who was the dean of the rabbinical school when I was there and remains a very, very dear friend and mentor, said something which didn't quite make sense as we were in school, but it's made an enormous amount of sense since. And that is, he says, when you become a rabbi or a cantor, you will be endowed almost automatically by the power to bless. You'll be able, you can't hear it, Vora? I'll try to speak a little bit louder. Okay. You'll be endowed as a rabbi and as a cantor 
with the power to bless. We heard those words as students, but we didn't know what they meant. You're not given a superpower when you're ordained. Nothing happens on a cosmic level, right? What does it mean that rabbis and cantors have the power to bless? What he meant was that when you walk into a space with the title of rabbi or cantor conferred upon you, whether it's a hospital room where someone is suffering or a room in which families are in grief or simply the way in which you enter into a space on Shabbat in, in, a, in a moment that's not particularly emotionally up or down, you will have the ability because you believe that you are a rabbi who has the power to bless and they believe that you are a rabbi who has the power to bless to transform that moment because of the double belief. It didn't make sense at the time. It's made an enormous sense since then. Right? There have, from the first day that I was working as a rabbi 21 years ago in upstate New York, I felt this um, ability ascribed to me. It wasn't, no, one, no one said words to articulate. It just happened that there was something that was palpable and potential for me to do in a space because of the, the sense that people had about what a rabbi is and what a cantor does. And it's only because it's believed by the one receiving it and believed by the one giving it. It's very different than a Christian model in which the religious functionary is understood theologically to be an intermediary between the penitent and God. Nothing in Judaism suggests that I or any of the clergy in this community have any closer relationship to the Holy One than you do. Nothing. But there is a way in which our community is constructed that suggests that when a rabbi or a cantor holds out his or her hand and or confers a blessing to someone, Something real is happening and a transformation may be taking place on the part of the person who is receiving it. The tradition, our rabbinic tradition, actually makes that rather explicit in terms of our rabbinic and I would add human ability to bless and therefore transform. In the first few pages of the Talmud, the thousands page document, that is a collection of Jewish law and Jewish lore. That initially, the first few pages, deals with the very important but rather kind of small issue question of when one recites the Shema every single day. As the Talmud jumps back and forth between Hilchata, law, and Agadata narrative, the first narrative in the Talmud, which means the first time the rabbis of the Talmud have an opportunity to tell a story, to wax rhapsodic, to express values, rather than just determining a particular Jewish law, this issue is addressed. The Talmud says and imagines that what does God do all day? God sits in sanctuaries... Waiting for Jews, we can make it larger for humans, to come in and to bless God. God waits for human beings to confer upon God, who we think of as the source of blessing, a blessing. 
That, according to the Talmud, is the whole reason why the notion of the Kaddish exists. That Kaddish that we say throughout the service, it exists so that we can get to the line, Yehei Shemei Rabbah Mavorach so God can hear, as it were, in this anthropomorphized image of the Holy One, us saying, may God's name be great. And when God hears our saying, may God's name be great, God is transformed. God feels greater, as it were, than God felt a second before. God accepted our blessing. It's a primary human role. Because our tradition and our theology ascribes to each one of us the power to bless humans and God, to confer peace, and in that way to transform the world around us. Which brings us to Pinchas, the Parsha that we read this morning. The Parsha panel is lit up there. I love that aspect of our sanctuary. It's an endless debate that cannot be resolved as to what was going on. I've already actually spoken about it several times this week, going in different directions. What was going on when God responded to Pinchas's important and effective but violent way of interrupting this plague with the Moabite women and the idolatry? Pinchas, at the end of last week's Parsha, brings that about by killing one of the Israelite men and the Moabite women with whom he was cavorting. And God's initial response is to give Pinchas Brit Shalom, a covenant of peace. And without going into the unending machloket as to whether Pinchas got it because he deserved it or whether Pinchas got it because he needed it, he received it. God conferred upon Pinchas peace. God comes close to Pinchas in the divine way that God can give presence and say, I want to transfer some of the peace that's welling up inside me, the Holy One, to you so that you can be a little bit different than you were. In what way might that transference have taken place? We can get a window into that from a reading of one of the first verses of the Torah that I learned from my dear friend Rabbi David Ingber. At the end of well, at the end of the first aliyah of Breshit on Simchat Torah, we dip into the first few lines of the second chapter of Breshit, Vayechulu, Vayechulu HaShemayim Ha'aretz V'chol Tzva'am. That all the things that God was doing to create the world were completed. And we have this verse, which many of you know well, Vayevarech Elohim et Yom HaShabbat Vayikadeh God blessed Yom God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Rabbi Ingber says, to do a close reading of that verse, you have to understand that there are two verbs and they're doing two different things in the verse. First, God gives a bracha to the day. And only after God gives a bracha to the day, does the day itself, the Shabbat, have a chance to be holy, kadosh. That the day couldn't have transformed itself into something different and distinct had not a third party in this situation, God, offered to the day itself a blessing and a transferring of peace. The blessing is what made something beautiful possible. God blessed the seventh day, transformed it, turned it into a vessel so it could bring holiness to all of us. That is how Shabbat is born in our tradition. And that brings us back to the restroom. What is it 
that we are trying to experience and build on Shabbat? And how do we actually participate in that by uttering this salutation, Shabbat Shalom? Perhaps one of the things that we are supposed to be thinking about, and maybe now thinking about anew when we say those words, is to go back to that first Shabbat and emulate the God who used blessing and peace to transform something into holiness. And therefore, it would be the opposite of a non-thinking salutation and the most beautiful blessing you could confer upon another person by looking them in the eyes and saying to them, Shabbat Shalom. I would like to take this two-word opportunity on this holy of days to transfer some of the shalom that I have in my body and in my soul from experiencing this Shabbat and give it to you. Shalom is the vessel through which the sense of blessing is transmitted and it's the blessing itself and it's all bound up in what we believe God is all about. So Shabbat Shalom literally may be the greatest blessing that a Jew can confer upon another Jew, that you experience your own inner peacefulness and your own serenity more profoundly than before. A.J. Musty, who is a Dutch-American 20th century clergyman and author and pacifist, lived his entire life dedicated to this hard-to-achieve but critical notion of shalom, of peace. And he had a wonderful one-liner, which most of us fail to live up to. He said, there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. There's no way towards shalom. Shalom is the actual derech, the actual way. And that brings us back to Pinchas and my sense, at least through this reading, of what the Holy One may have been saying to Pinchas in that moment. Pinchas, you are trying to bring peace to the camp. I know it. You are motivated to defend my name and my honor so that the people could peacefully continue their march toward the land of Israel. But you use non-peaceful means. The end was not peaceful, Pinchas. It was effective but horrific in my name. And for the spiritual person, for the Jew, for the God person, the ends and the means have to be as aligned as possible. You did stop the plague, Pinchas. But you missed the most important thing about this God you were defending. You missed my essence. You missed my very name, Shalom. We can imagine with a twinkle in our eye, God saying to Pinchas, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat, stop Pinchas. Take a rest from how you've been holding yourself. And instead, Shalom. Not only does God give Pinchas the Brit Shalom, God adds the phrase, Brit Kehunat Olam. Pinchas, you get the covenant of the priesthood forever. What is the eternal priestly blessing? How does the priestly blessing that we say in shul, that we give to our children, end? The goal of a priest in Israel is to confer peace on the people around him or her. And who are priests? 
according to Rabbi Liba, my dear teacher, rabbis and cantors. And he's right about that. But he's also wrong, lovingly, because he, I'm sure, would agree with this idea. Because who are priests? Everyone. Mamlechet Kohanim v'goy kadosh. The primary charge to Israel is for every person, no matter where you're sitting in the pew, no matter whether you're sitting in front of a shtender and have a rabbinic degree on your wall, or have chosen some other way to contribute to the world and society, the Torah says that God sees you as a priest with rights and responsibilities. It's as if we are supposed to think of ourselves such that the most significant and important thing we can do to one another and to this world is to go into someone's presence and confer a blessing of peace so they walk away from that encounter with more shalom than they had before. Many times when I give a drash or a teaching or a sermon, my end result is for people to think about something differently. I very rarely, as you know, tell people to do this or to do that. I think it's much more interesting to send people off with values in mind, filtered through their own particular intellectual processes, and decide how that's going to turn into action on their own. But today I want this idea to go not only from thinking but to action. I want you to think of the rest of this Shabbat of Shalom as a trial opportunity in the moments that don't seem particularly right for it to enter into another person's four cubits, Dawud Amot, and ask yourself, is there any more important thing that I can intend for myself in this encounter than for them to walk away with more peace than they had before? It is a beautiful moment that we're living through in our society as we are emerging from deep fear and distress. But it's still a fractious time and it's still a worrisome time. And our society is still broken and suspicious, as is our nation. I think this is a moment that calls for all of us to be priests and peace deliverers. Because when you offer a blessing of peace, you change the recipient you change yourself and maybe the world entire. So I'm not asking you to do the job of rabbi as peace blesser for me. I'm asking you to do it with me because there may be more, no more beautiful way to walk through this earth. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.